Hello and welcome to Crossview Radio, a weekly podcast for Wayne County. I'm John Marino, pastor of Crossview Church in Orville. We exist to glorify God by exalting Christ and magnifying the gospel for the joy of all nations. You'll uh, recall that last time we uh, talked about the problem of relational conflict, and this is really a, a two-part series on it. Uh, but we asked a question last time, why can't we all just get along? And we saw that James actually gives a diagnosis of the heart as the culprit. Every time our culture gives to us the advice, follow your hearts, they're pouring gasoline onto the fire. When I follow my heart, it leads me to denying the needs and desires of others. If I'm going to have relational harmony, I must deny my heart and instead love God and others supremely. After all, one could make the case that school shooters and murderers and adulterers are all following their hearts. And so if this is a true diagnosis, we're going to need a true solution. And I think it's important to note that we are interested in addressing not only the symptoms, but the root of the problem. And I'm going to make a point that I've made here on this podcast before, uh, and a point that I'm going to continue to repeat and not apologize for, and that is this. Relational conflict and any other sin problem requires a theological answer. Non-biblical, non-theological reactions and responses will always be insufficient and will at best foster a moralistic society which looks good on the outside, but inside uh, is full of dead men's bones. This is why I said a couple of weeks ago in the podcast on knowledge that the Christian can unapologetically walk into the culture and declare without any hesitation, thus saith the Lord. We don't need to modify our approach for unbelievers because the word is authoritative. The Bible is authoritative for them just as much as it is authoritative for us. But we've already covered all that, and so I'm going to move on. That's a couple weeks ago, a podcast on knowledge. And so uh, if you haven't listened to that, check that out. But uh, I'm assuming we've established that presupposition. Uh, It requires a theological answer. So how do we go about achieving peace? Well, we need to look at this issue really in two main categories. First, we have to have a vertical peace, that is to say, a peace with God. And second, we need to have a horizontal peace, that is to say, a peace with others. When most of us think about resolving conflict, we're thinking only in horizontal terms. But we must remember that all of us come into this world with vertical conflict by default. And the biblical pattern is that until we get that vertical conflict resolved, we cannot get the horizontal conflict resolved. And that really is laid out uh, for us in uh, Ephesians 2. Uh, verses 11 through 22. And I'm not going to read this whole passage today, but I just want to highlight a few phrases that uh, reveal this idea to us that um, in order to have horizontal uh, peace, I need to first have vertical peace. Uh, He says in Ephesians 2 that the Gentiles were separated from Christ, but now having been saved are in Christ. Okay, so that's vertical restoration. They were separate from Christ. Now they're in Christ. Vertical restoration. Now, what does that vertical restoration pave the way for? Well, he says all these implications of 
the gospel, and that is um, laid out for us. He says the dividing wall of hostility between Jew and Gentile has been abolished. It's gone. He says that this has served to make peace in verse 15. In verse 16, he says that he has reconciled us both, that is Jew and Gentile, to God in one body through what? Through the cross. Again, the cross, the vertical restoration, leads to the horizontal uh, reconciliation. Um, the, the re- he references also uh, peace that is preached in verse 17. And in verse 18, both of us, that is Jew and Gentile, have access to God. And in verse 19, we are fellow citizens. That is a horizontal. I have a a relationship with others horizontally. How did all of this horizontal reconciliation language in that passage take place? What created it? What generated it? What caused horizontal restoration? It was vertical restoration and vertical reconciliation through the gospel, through repentance and trust in Christ. Some of you are aware of what's going on uh, recently in evangelicalism with this idea of woke Christianity. Uh, This passage in Ephesians 2 is a wonderful passage to refute the error of of what's going on in in this regard. Uh, If you go back and read the passage, note there is no need for us to atone for the sins of our parents. There is no need for us to repent of the sins of previous generations. Ezekiel 18 reminds us, the soul that sins, it shall die. Here's the beautiful thing about vertical reconciliation. It produces a horizontal reconciliation so that no matter who it is, no matter what their ethnicity is, uh, I can have a complete unity in Christ. The gospel demolishes the dividing wall of hostility. Praise God for that. Now, with that being said, we know that we still live in the flesh, and there are times that even though there is a positional unity, I have broken that relationship and am in need of horizontal restoration. How do I go about that? Well, here's the short answer to that question. Go read your Bible. The Bible is full of imperatives on how I am to deal with horizontal and relational sin. And I can't possibly give you all that data in one podcast. You simply have to go and read scripture. And this is part of just Christian sanctification, is that I go and I read and I study and I learn and I grow and all those things. With that being said, I just want to give us a few thoughts here today that may be helpful um, when we try to go reconcile sins with others. The first one is this, search your own heart before you confront the sins of others. This is the Matthew 7 passage, and we did look at it last time as well. But I want to remind us that we are to remove the log from our own eye before we try to remove the speck from our brother's eye. If you have sinned against him or her, you may need to approach them and, uh, and repent after you've asked God for forgiveness. Uh, and you may not, might not know. I mean, this might be an opportunity for you to walk up to that person and say, hey, is there anything that I've done to uh, offend you or sin against you? Now, they may not extend forgiveness. However, you still must apologize and ask for forgiveness. It would also be helpful uh, if you uh, ask them when you're confessing, you know, is there anything else at all that I've done against you? It requires a lot of humility. You can't have peace with others if you don't have humility. 
And when you confess, I would also suggest that you confess uh, both the external act and the internal heart motivation. For example, uh, let's just say you know I was speaking uh, to my wife and I was I was being rude in the way that I spoke to her, and uh, I was going to go up to her and ask her for forgiveness. I would ask her for forgiveness uh, in the way that I spoke, but I also would ask her for forgiveness for the selfish heart that motivated my speech. I would say something like, you know, will you please forgive me for the way that I spoke to you that was rude and unkind and the, and, and forgive me for the selfishness that drove that. Forgive me for the fact that I... Uh, cared only about myself in my heart or whatever it might be. If sin is source in the heart, as we maintain that it is, then we must confess that part of the sin too, not just the surfacey kind of things. Secondly, uh, remind us of, uh, of this. Consider overlooking the sins of others. And so we have a tendency to be nitpicky. Uh, we should regularly be overlooking the sins of others and extending grace. 1 Peter 4, 8, Above all, keep loving one another earnestly, since love covers a multitude of sins. All sins are an offense to God, and all sins result in God's judgment against us if we are without salvation. But there are differing consequences for different sins in the Bible. And there is a difference between whether you snap at someone and whether you murder someone. If someone snaps at me, I should probably just extend grace and go on without harboring bitterness. And that's the important part at the end here that I just mentioned, and that is this. If I'm going to, if I'm going to extend grace, and if I'm going to um, overlook their sin, and actually even if I do confront it, regardless of the scenario... I must always reject bitterness in my own heart because bitterness will destroy. Bitterness is a sin in itself. And even if I haven't been the, um, the, the one who is primarily sinning against the other person, even if I'm the victim, I can uh, begin to harbor bitterness and I need to repent of that as well. Third point here is gently restore. And so, uh, this is actually the language of Galatians uh, 1, after you, or Galatians 6, sorry, after you have um, done your best to confirm that there is no further sin by, from you in the situation, you've, you've taken out the log out of your eye, you've asked for forgiveness, what you want to do is gently restore. And so, Galatians 6, 1 says this, brothers, if anyone is caught in any transgression, you who are spiritual should restore him in a spirit of what gentleness? Keep watch on yourself, lest you too be tempted. This involves humble confrontation. And uh, actually, Matthew 18 also gives us some further guidelines as well, how to uh, to work out that kind of confrontation. Uh, fourth is this, love Jesus more than peace. Uh, I save this point to last, but it's the most important point. There is a very subtle difficulty present when seeking relational peace. And that subtlety is actually ironically just as bad as the sinful passions that drive that conflict in the first place. That subtlety is when I have a passion or a desire for peace more than I have a passion or desire for Christ. Remember how anything that I love more than Jesus can become an idol in my heart. And as good as peace is, we can actually idolize that. When I talk to someone who is seeking counsel on finding freedom from relational conflict, one of the very first things I ask is this. I say this, if God never resolves this conflict in your spouse, daughter, son, etc., 
is never at peace with you again, will you still be satisfied knowing that you have Christ? I will submit to you that unless you want Jesus more than you want conflict resolution, you will never find conflict resolution. C.H. Spurgeon wrote about this very reality when he said this, quote, I looked at Christ and the dove of peace flew into my heart. I looked at the dove and it flew away. End quote. You will not have peace until you want Jesus more than you want peace. Here's an important principle. Peace is a byproduct of something else. We read this in Isaiah uh, chapter 26, verse 3. You keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you because he trusts in you. What does the text say? It says that God, God is the one who keeps you in peace. It's something that God does. But what does he do, what, what, what does he do it um, as a result of in this text? God keeps the person in peace whose mind is stayed on him. This is to say that you cannot produce peace in yourself. You need God for that. And God is the one who produces it when I am fixated on him, when I am desiring him, when I love him more than anything else this world has to offer, when I am pursuing him, when I am looking at Christ, as Spurgeon says, that dove of peace comes into my heart. But the second I look at that dove, it's gone. And this goes back to what we discussed last time. We talked about how you need to have your desires, and I need to have my desires in the right place. And as as noble of a cause as peacemaking is, if my desire for that replaces my desire for God, it is an idol, and it's an idol that I need to repent of. Pursue God first, and He will generate peace for us. That is the kind of of God he is. Thanks for listening to Crossview Radio. I'm John Marino, pastor of Crossview Church in Orville. We meet Sundays at 10 a.m. at the Orville YMCA. To find out more about Crossview Church, visit us online at crossvieworville.com.